millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is The Secret Library, a podcast about writing and publishing books. I'm Caroline Donahue, a life coach who works with writers, and I'm here to tell you this is your year. It's time to stop waiting and start writing. This is episode 52. Before I talk about this week's guest, I just have to say thank you so much for listening. 52 episodes means a year of the Secret Library podcast, and it's a huge milestone and one I'm really, really proud to be hitting. So thank you for keeping us going. Thank you for being here. And if you want to give us an anniversary gift, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes if you haven't done so already. So with that said, my guest this week is Barry Tesler. Um, who is the second repeat guest on the show. Some of you may remember she was episode one, um, back when we had janky audio quality and there was, you know, very lo-fi experience over here at the Secret Library Podcast. So I wanted to have Barry back on. For those of you who don't know her and haven't listened to the episode, she is the author of The Art of Money and also the creator of The Art of Money year-long school, which is a program to learn about personal finance and working through emotional issues around money. She's wonderful and has been a friend and mentor for many years. So I wanted to have Barry back on because she made a comment on Facebook about the process of financing a book writing project and what it took financially to get her book out in the world. And as we're coming past the year anniversary of her book's existence, it felt like great timing to have the anniversary of the show the anniversary of Barry's book, and to talk about the finances behind book writing. So I know you're really going to enjoy our anniversary episode with Barry Tesler. Hey, Barry, it's such a joy to, to have you on again. Thank you so much, Caroline. I love hanging out with you. I know, live. me too. <laughs> it's During interviews, all of it. I know, it's great. And I think that the, I love, um, I kind of saved I'm saving this interview for those of you listening. This is going to be episode 52. So you were episode one, and then you're marking the beginning of the second year of the show, which felt really cool. perfect. And again, we get to dive back into your journey, because when we spoke last, it was before the Art of Money book came out. And now you've had this whole process with the book being out in the world, and you posted something on Facebook about the expense of putting a book out, which is something that no one really talks about. So I definitely wanted to bring you on to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> I'm open. I'm really open. I'm excited. To sharing all of this stuff. Yeah. So that it's helpful for other people that are on the same journey or a similar one. Well, it's, it's lovely because you write about money and then we can talk about the money inside of the book process. Got it. Good. So Good. how did you... How did you conceive of the finances of putting a book out when you first were starting out? And how has that concept changed over the last year? Well, let's see. So when I realized or when the publisher came to me, my publisher Parallax Press, and we were 
still needing to finalize the book proposal. So we hadn't done the chapters and they came to me in the middle of that and said, Hey, or have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, yes, you know, and, and I know we talked about all of this last time, but when that happened, it moved pretty fast. So I didn't even have the time to research. Am I going to get an agent? Do I want to try and get a big publisher? Am I sure that I want to get a publisher? Do I want a small publisher? Am I going to self-publish? But I had the sense I wanted it to be a published book. And, but, and, and if I really thought about it, I probably would have said a small publisher is probably a better match for me. But I don't know. You know, I really don't know. And so it, it, really, it wasn't well thought out in this moment. Um, and then the Parallax team really quickly got a contract to me. I took a few weeks. I think the whole process was a month of going back and forth and negotiating the advance. That was a whole moment. They offered me something. I asked how high you could go. I wound up getting double. I got a small advance compared to advances out there, and yet I'm with a very small publisher, and I know that it was a big advance for them. And so that all happened really quickly with the contract. And in the contract, I brought on Janet Goldstein, who at the time I thought was a literary consultant who would read literary contracts and help me see if my royalties were in good shape and just anything else that I didn't know. She helped me with all of that. And she also said, hey, I'm also an agent, right? <laughs> and do you want me to get you a bigger advance with a bigger, you know, with a bigger publisher? I, I, I'm going to come to the end of my story and explain the book costs in a second, but this all leads up to it. And of course. She re she, I said, sure. And we, you know, have a time limit here because Parallax needs to hear back from me. I asked for a little extension. They gave me a few weeks. I said, Janet, go see what you can do. And she reached out to her contacts. And it's amazing, you know, from years of being in the fields, in the publishing world, she got responses over a weekend. She got responses in a few days. And there were some, there were two to three really interested folks. And one in particular that could have been great. And the way it all went down is, you know, she was looking for a much bigger advance because it's a larger publisher. And I may have lost out on final say with cover design, with the title, with subtitle, all these things that were really important to me that I wanted to have final say on. But she was really going for a bigger advance. And we were, one was very, very interested. And then at the end of the day said, number one, I don't have enough time to, you know, really work this through on my end. And my team would say no because she's a small, she doesn't have a large enough platform. So with that, that was just a final confirmation that large publishers are probably going to say that to me, right? And because I have a small list compared to other people, um, or just a small list. I, you know, we have a little bit of shy of 10,000 people. What I do have is an incredibly devoted and engaged list and an incredible community. And our conversion rate is off the charts, right? For for my business. Um, but so that's as far as we got. And then I said, thank you, Janet. I'm going to take it from here. Um, you know, she was only going to become my agent if I was going to be working with a larger publisher and she was going to be negotiating that. I came back. I finalized my whole deal and with Parallax and I got final say on all these things that were so important to me. Right. And, and then it was like, okay, now we got to figure out the finances of this. And, 
one thing for me is that, as I spoke about in the first interview, is that I need a co-writer. I realized this 10 years ago. It was something that I was, I was embarrassed about at first or like, what's the matter with me? I can teach and be a great therapist and coach and come up with all the curriculum and ideas and stories and teach this work. And, but writing for me, um, you need to lock me in a room or a cave with bars of chocolate which, you know, I did for my 150 page thesis, but I wasn't going to do right now with a child. My child was five at the six at the time. He's now eight. And anyway, I discovered co-writing years ago. And so I knew going into this book, I was going to be working with my co-writer and that was going to be a big expense um, because I like to pay her well and because um, we're an amazing team. And so here's another moment where I shared recently on Facebook, oh, I'm going to be done with my book cost expenses in six months. I put it on a 0% credit card. The interest rate goes up in six months. And I made a commitment that I'd be done and I'm going to be. And lots of people were like, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for being so honest and yay. And, you know, there was one person was like, I'm horrified. You went into debt for this. I was like, no, I didn't go into debt. There's a much larger strategy um, in place here. And, and which will, you know, we'll talk about everything from, I have a business and I have a year long program, which is a thousand dollars for a year. And, you know, if I just get 30 more people, you know, then, then my book costs are paid for 50 more people or, you know, I, I have, I have my year long program. And, and so the other thing was that in that moment, you know, I wasn't in a place where I had been years before where I would have self-published or where I wouldn't have wanted to spend anything on the book. Or I saw someone post after I posted that on Facebook saying, if you want to learn how to self-publish your book um, at $50, email me or I'm setting up a whole program on how to do that. And I was like, okay, that's a completely different thing than what I did. Um, I went with a publisher. The book is gorgeous inside and out. It's everything that I ever dreamed of. It's a classic book. It's everything that I wanted, right? And I need a co-writer. So over the years, I've created lower price point content, whether it was eBooks or video courses and all of that. Maybe it was $50 or less, probably not, you know, but it was not as much as I've spent on the book. And, and now I will explain how much I've spent on the book, but I wanted to pause there because there's just, there's just many different ways to go about it. You really need to know what phase of life and what phase of business you're in. And do you have a longer term strategy? Do you just have your book? Some people do. Or do you have a whole business with services behind it that if the book can reach a lot more people then it, you know, it's a great way to leverage and you can, you know, have more people in your program and it pays for the book, which was a way more expensive route then other people choose to go. Okay. I totally agree because I think, yes, there are two, there are multiple things going on here because if the purpose of the book is just to have a book because you want to have a book, which is totally valid. Some people just want a book, but if the book is an entry point for people to learn about your work and to come into your program, which a lot of people writing nonfiction, that is something that they want to do. Then 
it is important. I think I refer people back. Alex Franzen was on and she said, you know, some books I just want to do for myself that are novels and I self-publish them. And some people I want them to get into everybody's hands. And that's a different, a different reason to do a book. Right. And, you know, I wanted to do a book for so many different reasons. I've always wanted to do, I've always wanted to write a book, really, even since my thesis, even though that was a horrible experience for me. I've always felt there was a book in me and teaching this material for over 16 years from day one, people were asking, when's the book coming? You know, so I always knew there was a book. Um, As you know, I read all memoirs and novels. And so I wanted the book to be filled with stories and I wanted it to be beautiful and I just wanted it to be this classic book that would reach way more people that I could reach in my year-long program or my private financial therapy clients or that are, I just wanted to reach a lot more people. And by working with a publisher, even a small publisher, Parallax, um, their distributor is Penguin, Penguin Random House, you know, the largest publisher in the world. And that when I signed with them, they had a different distributor that was also wonderful, but within a few months, they they signed with Penguin Random House. And I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, I just got the, about the best of both worlds. That's wonderful. Amazing. So, you know, so yeah, I wanted a book so that it could reach so many more people that it could be a lower price point, wait, be a lot more accessible and be this classic book that has all of my main content in um, that then leads to, yes, my year long program, which is my favorite teaching model and, you know, which I love. So so here, here's the cost. Also, recently I saw an article that Cheryl Strayed was interviewed in, and she honestly reveals that when she was writing Wild, or one of her first books, that she wasn't working because she was writing full-time. And so she put $50,000 on a credit card. And that's really similar to my number two, right? So here she's not, she's writing memoirs. Um, she's writing mostly memoirs, right? Memoirs and... Well, she's written memoirs. And then she has uh, the book that was the compilation of her columns for Dear Sugar. So right. she's pretty well nonfiction, I think. Right. That's so interesting. Okay. So, but she doesn't have another business. She does a lot of speaking, right? But she doesn't have another business. So she put $50,000 on a credit card to make it through. And while I think it is wild because wild comes out, it's on the um, New York Times bestseller list. She's, she gets a call from Oprah. She's on Oprah. And she tells a story of how her husband calls her and says our credit card declined. You know, oh, dear. During that time. And she's like, yeah, I know, because we have no money. Or because part of the advance came. She got a big advance, a huge advance, but it comes in increments and she didn't get the second or the third part. And you know, it was a full year before she paid that $50,000 off. Right. So the, I also tell that story because I didn't know that when I agreed to go forth with a book, it was like full steam ahead, full steam ahead. We hit the ground run- running. We got the contract. March 1st was our date two years ago, two years and, four- and, and 14 days ago, you know, t- to, to start, the start the book and I had to then negotiate with my co-writer what did she need to get paid for this to happen and I asked her at the time and again this is two years ago this is me and Angela at the time had worked together for four years we had been co-writing originally she did all my copy then we started co-writing articles together and creating content Um, and she helps with my program as well the copy for that that for that the art of money content so we had a wonderful history and wonderful experience of four years together. 
but this was different. This was unknown territory for us. And I said, what do you need? At the time, she said, I need 5,000 a month. And we just originally said six months, and then that extended to nine months. And at the end of the day, I, I paid her to co-write. It was about 45,000, close to 50 for the co-writing with all the months that we needed to write the book. It took us, it was like six or seven months to send in a 120,000 word manuscript. And that was her working full time and then us back and forth on Google Docs nonstop, right? At the same time, I'm also teaching my year-long program and having some private clients and being a mama. And, and then also, what do we do? And then we had weeks of line editing and weeks of editing and all of that, you know? Um, there also was about 5000 for the book proposal. Now, that's, that's really inexpensive because we didn't finish it. You know, we only did parts of it. And this was also a few years ago. So I believe I checked in with Angela. I said, Angela, and it's Angela Rains. I said, Angela, I'm going to be talking honestly and openly about how much book costs. Are you okay with that? She's like, of course, I'm fine. But also say that this was two years ago, that her fees are different. They're, you know, higher now and so on. And that's what she needed at the time. So really, it was about $50,000. And I put $20,000 on a 0% credit card. And then $30,000 I paid with uh, cash flow right. for that year. And then everything else, as far as the book tour, paid with cash flow, that was about ten thousand. I'd estimated much higher, um, fifteen thousand or seventeen. And what I did for that was I opened up my private financial therapy slots, and I said I have so many slots open. Um, behind the scenes, I was doing that because um, I can't go so long. Like I can go a year without doing private clients, and then I just crave them again, you know, because. Mm. Um, I really crave it, but at the same time, I open up my slots when there's something in my business or my life that I need extra cash flow for. And I, I always, well, at this point, not at the beginning, you know, six years ago, I would open up my slots and it would take weeks to fill. But at this point, I can open up my private slots and within a few hours, certainly by the next day, they're gone, you know, 10 to 15 slots. Which is a good reason to do a book. Say, say that again. Which I is said a it's a good reason to do a book to notice that difference, that you can count on that as a result of your audience being so much larger because they found you through the book. Well, the, the filling the private slots happened before my book came out. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That happened. And I'm not doing private financial therapy slots this year. I'm not, I'm not opening them, which is a whole other story. So that's where was I in this story of, you know, we hit the ground running with Angela and we also had to negotiate this contract with her. And her and I were always so good. Normally, we don't do a project without all the payment de details being worked out. But this was so unknown. Everything about it. It was her first book. It was my first book. That it literally took us her starting to write and us going back and forth in the co-writing process that we do. It took us a month or two before we finalized our contract. And, you know, originally she was asking for like a, um, a set amount and I was saying no to that. I wound up paying her a lot more than that set amount. And so it was good on her end. And yeah, it took us a while to really figure it out, all the details. My God, did we have to go back and forth on this contract. But that's, oh yes, yeah, so I was saying, so that's what I worked out with my co-writer. Then I had the book tour that paid for in cash flow, and then tons of marketing behind the scenes that really doesn't cost money, such as inviting a street team, you know, to we had 130, 130, close to 150 people who said yes to being on our street team. And it just meant they got a book early 
and they got to, or right on the date that it was published, June 14th, 2016, and we asked them to read it, and if they loved it, you know, post a review or do social media. I did the book tour. We Lots of people started doing book selfies. That was not really planned. I think I had some vision that I would see pictures, and then, like, one person led to the next and the next and the next, and then we started getting so many book selfies of people with the Art of Money book that all of a sudden we had collages that were like my favorite thing in the world from people holding up the Art of Money book from all over the world. So there was a lot of marketing that didn't cost anything. Um, and I think that, is that everything? I think that's, that is, that is everything about how much, how much it costs. And we're now in, we're five months away or four months away from paying off the book costs in full. And my longer term strategy is, as I said, that I have the year long program and maybe we'll see some royalties. We're doing good. So we'll see. That's amazing. I think it's also important to note that everybody is going to have some sort of expense because, yes, you worked with a co-writer, but even if someone doesn't work with a co-writer, they might not have as much time to work. You know, you yep. were able to keep teaching your program because you were going back and forth with the support of the co-writer. Or even right. if you are working and writing, you may hire an editor privately before you submit a book. So it's, I think it's important to factor this in and to look at how this can apply. Like if you're writing fiction, you'll probably want an editor. You may want a developmental editor to bounce the storyline off of. And so I think it's just good to start considering who you might need to support you as you're writing a book. Yes, I had Angela and I had my husband, Forrest, and... It was the three of us that were acting as the developmental editing crew, you know, and we would meet and vision every chapter and what was the story and what was the outline. And then, you know, Angela would go right. Then me and Angela would go back and forth and Forrest would read it. Then I would read it. And then Angela's mom. Um, I didn't know that my co-writer of so many years had an incredibly smart, well-read mom. And so she was one of the first readers. She was the first reader of every chapter outside of the three of us. And so I wasn't paying my husband, right? And it's good to be married <laughs> to somebody who has skills you need. <laughs> totally. totally. He has so many skills. But so he's getting obviously compensated in many other ways. And but he was so much a part of the developmental editing. And then the co-writer and Angela also did so much of the line, line editing. And then we also had the editor from my publisher, you know, and then a line editor at the end. So one thing I think that people think about, and I'm glad that you brought this up at the beginning, is people going for hoping for the biggest advance possible. And when we had V.E. Schwab on recently, she was like, I'm so glad I didn't have a big advance for my first book because then you have a chance to earn it out. So yep. in addition to having more control, being with a smaller press, how do you feel about the advance in terms of how close you are to earning it out and then getting royalties at this stage? You know, I'm going to get royalties and I just don't know how much. Yay! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got one tiny check. It was only, it was like $15.43 and I took a picture of it because it was just the very first month, just the Kindle sales from last year. And then I won't get the next set of royalties until June, you know. So in a few more months, it will be a year. And we will see. So it it has, I have exceeded the advance, but I don't know the details yet. Well, that's fantastic. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we're, or we're so close or I, I have a feeling we have already exceeded it. So um, I keep just wanting to write 
my publisher to get some sense, you know, of well, that. getting so, any check at all is really exciting because, you know, some people don't earn out and then, you know, it's frustrating, but you went into reprints so quickly. I'm not surprised. We went into this. Well, they, they printed 5,000. We went into, um, a second printing almost immediately. And now, and, and, and so here's another place that, okay, I'll be honest about some more stuff. So we were, six months in so I had done the book tour I'd done all these things my goal for the year was selling 10,000 books right and um, I have a friend who has a list of probably 75,000 remember I said I'm shy of 10,000 she probably 75,000 and she's on TV a lot and she did 11,000 in her first year so she was like my role model, you know, like I'm going to get there, you know, and then everyone's all over, you know, all different directions, right? If you, Brene Brown, Cheryl Strayed, even Danielle Laporte, like they're doing 40,000 plus, right? Right. Um, But a lot of my fellow authors are, you know, if you do 10,000 in the first year, you've, you've, you've done really well. You've done really, really, really well. So that was my goal. And um, six months in, we were we had sold seven thousand five hundred books, and we were at like three thousand Kindles, right? So nice. I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get past that ten thousand mark easily, right?" Then um, I turn my attention away from my book, and I start turning my attention to my registration for my year-long program, because that's how we make our money, right? That's how we make our money in our family. And my business, that's the, that's the main service that I offer is my year-long program. And we open it up once a year, you know, we're an early bird and then in January. And so I started turning my attention to creating all the content for that, my favorite new series, Money Memoirs. I'm bringing it up just because whenever I do a new series, I say it's my favorite. Probably like your newest podcast is always your favorite. Always. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best, you know, it's my favorite. And I think it's just because it's, you know, it's the most current, it's the most updated. And the Money Memoirs was the first time I did a series like it three years ago. But this time I was asking questions about how our ethnicity and lineage and race has had an impact on our relationship to money positively and negatively. And I could have done the whole series on that, but I did just a few questions in each interview. And it's my, it's really my favorite piece of work. And I, this year I'm going to, I'm going deeper with that. Um, it's also the way that I can be political on some level. I've been asking these questions for years, but we're going deeper here. Right. And so why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I turn my attention to creating content and to all of the marketing and the details and the energy that's required to open up a registration. We had had an incredible early bird registration which clearly showed that the book and the book tour was bringing a lot more people um, my way. So we were way ahead in the early bird, like crazily ahead. And usually whatever you do in the early bird, you do double in the January. Um, And in January, we opened up our registration three days before inauguration. And we were open during registration during our current president in the United States, who I don't call my president you know, was, came into office and the shit hit the fan and the craziness exploded and, and everyone in my community went into shock and anger and fear. And it went on for weeks, right? And it's still going on. 
we're, we're needing to take breaks and, and, and take some self-care. But in that time, I was open during registration, which in moments I thought, I'm just going to not, I'm going to close down my registration because, you know, our government's going crazy and, and I need to focus over here. And, you know, I, I had a few uh, realizations in, in, in this time was one, wow, it feels like we're in, in triage. It feels like when I live in Boulder, Colorado, it feels as though we're having forest fires or we're having the flood that we had a few years ago. And we're all going to triage and we're all scared and in shock and all of our energy needs to focus here. And then I started watching my son's teacher at school get up every day and go and teach his classroom and I have tears. Um, and on and on. And I started seeing people like doing their work, you know, coming back in and not in any way ignoring what was happening in, um, in our government, but checking in and, and really connecting with what is your true work at this time. And I came back in and I said, this is it. This is my work. This is my work in the world. This is also, you know, my livelihood. This is how my family um, makes its money and many things, and this is how I do serve, and I can add things into the year-long program um, that will help ask deeper questions about the macro side of money and our relationship to race and ethnicity um, and how that's affected our money stories and on and on and on, and I can do deeper work there. And so I said, yes, I'm continuing to register for my year-long program. And so two things, one, we finished that registration my goal was 500. At the end of the day, we got 467, um, which was so incredibly close. And I'm incredibly grateful in the midst of everything. But I started looking at my book stats going, what's going on? You right. know? And they were like at a standstill. And so where I thought like in December, we would hit that 8,000 easily. It took the next few months just to creep over 8,000. And then... Um, I start getting emails from my book publisher when I get the stats. So I didn't know this, but um, I have a lot of friends that went with bigger publishers and they can't see their stats for their book. Oh, wow. Now, uh, yeah, we, and we couldn't either at first. And my husband and I were like, what? You know, like, uh, we're, how do we, we're, we're, this is like, we need this feedback loop. We need to know how we're doing. That affects our marketing. That affects what tweaks we make. We need to see this. Plus, you're so, so big on tracking as I being know. a tool of awareness. I'm like, how could you not track? I, you have taught me, you of all people have taught me, like, tracking is life. So we weren't getting the stats. And me and Forrest were both, like, shriveling, you oh, know. No. Like, like, we're going to, we're dying. We're not getting to track, you know. And so I asked my publisher if they would send me the stats every week. And I get them about every other week, which is great, okay? And then I started seeing in my stats that book returns were happening. And I'm like, what? You know, what are what the hell are book returns? And so oh, no, my publisher yeah. team tells me these are normal. Um, this was created during the depression so that bookstores could survive. And book returns happen. And so I started seeing book returns. And then we were like, we had exceeded 8,000 and we had gone over 4,000 in Kindle. But then we, it was like we were going backwards in the numbers, you know, because of the book returns. And um, then I wrote back going, is this normal? You know, like, am I just way off the charts? They said, actually, what's normal in the industry is 10 to 15%. You're still lower than that. And, and for me, there's so much that I don't know about the publishing world. And there's so much I don't know about the book world. And so I can like have these little mini freakouts. 
And then I just write my publisher. And sometimes I have to ask a few times and just say, can you please clarify this for me? Because <laughs> this sounds awful and I'm going to make up a terrible story unless you just explain this to me and how it works. And then when I hear normal range is 10 to 15% for returns, we're still lower than that. Okay, got it. Doesn't feel great, but now I have some understanding of how this works, you know? So now we are three months to our year anniversary and, um, you know, we've passed 4,000. I think we're, I haven't gotten the recent stats. We might be at like 77, 78. And I'm just, I just recently came up with the next idea for the next three months, which is it's time to invite people to do book clubs. Mm. And the reason I'm doing that is because I had some people, um, start posting on social media. One is a father daughter book club and they have completely different political views. Like they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. Wow. And she's as liberal as you get. And he's as Republican as you can, way even more than that, right? They're opposite ends. And they chose the art of money as their book club book. And she wrote that it is, bringing the most meaningful, some of the most meaningful conversations they've ever had with each other and beautiful connections and conversations by reading the book and doing the exercises and talking about it. And, and they're coming together. And I just was so impressed and inspired because I come from Democrats. And if I had a very, very, very other end of the spectrum politically parent, that would be very hard for me. And I'm just so impressed that she's able to connect with her father in this way and through the book. So that, that was one story. The second story are two Filipino sisters. Um, they were born in the Philippines and their whole family came over. My friend is, was 14. Her younger sister of 10 years was the youngest of four at four. And I think it was either four or five kids. They all came together and they live in the Bay area and they're two sisters doing the art of money, reading the art of money book together and, you know, there's that. And then the third one is a group of women from Boston, um, a ethnically diverse group of women. They're all friends and they're meeting to do a book club. So these are just three stories. And I'm like, I know there's more out there and I'm so incredibly grateful. And I always had a vision of book clubs. And so it's, it's time. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next few months. I have one for you, actually. Yay! <laughs> you do? Tell I me. do. Um, so I, uh, I strong-armed uh, a local bookstore <laughs> into having an event for Barry, and it was so gratifying because they had to move the barriers around the signing area. And so I brought a bunch of friends, and it was like the biggest sell-through rate. So we can now have whatever event we want there, which is great. So you can write more books. But one of my friends actually wasn't able to make it to that and was really disappointed. So I got her. Um, I had an extra copy of the book, so I gave it to her. And she told me that she got married a year before me. So she's been married, I guess, a year, going on a year and a half. And she said that she's having the easiest and most meaningful conversations about money with her husband that she ever has because she read the book and then asked him to read it also. And it's, she said, it just gets easier and easier and easier to talk about money. And I think it's all because of that book. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. I want a photo. And I, want... I know. I'll get a photo of her with it. <laughs> no, it's sometimes hard because would the husband be willing? You know, with a father-daughter, um, they are both willing for their picture to go out. So are the sisters. Not everyone will be, but I'm, I'm 
so grateful when people are because this is what's happening is that we this has been so taboo this has been such a shadow this is you know we're raising families where either you don't talk about it at all you're forbidden or you talk about it too much right and there's a bit of burden around that but usually we don't and so to have this book where it's bringing people together intergenerationally um opposite ends of the political spectrum things like this this is this isn't uh, i've always known that the people doing the art of money work that it was rippling out to people around them but i'm starting to hear more and more stories of how this is happening and this is just in, you know in, incredible for me absolutely so I have another question for you based on yeah. an email exchange you and I had. Um, you get all the dirt. Not I the know, dirt. you get all the You're dirt. It's great. The, you know, the I under- love it. I love your emails. They're like, inquiring minds would like to know. Um, <laughs> that's what I said? Yeah, that's what you said in the subject line. I was like, ooh, this is going to be good. So talking about the experience of putting all of this work and all of this money and all of this decision making into the book and then dealing with getting feedback from the public. So on the one hand, you get amazing selfies and books and book selfies and all kinds of stuff. And then there's also the experience of seeing reviews. So how has that been for you and how have you dealt with it? And our little email exchange was about like, what's up with the Goodreads reviews versus the Amazon reviews? So this was something that, you know, I, I knew was coming, meaning everyone writes a book gets wonderful reviews and sucky reviews, right? So I even, I think it was, it was on one of our road trips to Santa Fe. That's one of our favorite family places because I can go and dance and they have a Japanese spa and they have good food. I can go do my African dance. And we were on our way and I spent the entire, either one way there, you know, or one there and back reading all of my friends and colleagues reviews on Amazon. It was a, I think it was still like a year or nine months before my book was coming out. I did that very intentionally. I wanted to prepare myself for all of it, the good and the bad, right? The pretty and the ugly, all of, I wanted to just see. And yeah, every single person had wonderful reviews and so, had some, I, this book sucked, you know, for whatever reason. So I read all of my friends and colleagues and then I sat and really contemplated what could I imagine people saying? about my book. I knew all the good stuff. So I was contemplating more of the negative stuff, right? And I and that was a great exercise to do. It's just to prepare, you know, like what are what can people potentially say? It's missing this or that because, you know, even a friend who wrote a book, it was, well, she comes from a wealthy family, so she's had it easy, you know. I'm not going to listen to her or just uh, even if it's a really good book or it it doesn't talk about the macro side of money. Okay, well, not every book is going to include every single aspect, you know, and on and on. But I, I, just, I prepared and um, and then my husband, who's like a perpetual idea maker, and he comes up with great ideas. So his idea was once the negative reviews started coming in, then I would he would videotape me and I would read them, you know, like on a late night show where the where um, movie stars or sports players read their negative tweets aloud and then respond to them. So we were all set. Like, I'm going to read my negative reviews and, you know, make it a funny thing, a a playful thing. Well, then, um, so the book is published. And for months and months and months, it's all 
good reviews. <laughs> it's all like Amazon is all great. It's all five-star reviews, um, which and is what, like, what about my video show? <laughs> like, wait a second. I was all prepared, you know? And I'm like, I can't be an anomaly here. Like, again, everyone gets good and bad reviews, right? So I don't know if it was six months in or something. Then we got a couple of negative reviews on Amazon. And I think the first one was like in capital letters, too philosophical. And that one just cracked me up, you know, because I don't really think of myself as a philosophical person at all. Psychological, yes, right? Um, but for this person said too, too philosophical. Then the next one was also super short and it was not impressed. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay sorry, I didn't impress well. you. Well, you, know? you know, so, and then the third one was, you know, I read 10 pages or so and it was all happy talk. And I took it off my Kindle because it was all happy talk and no tools. Now, as you know, the whole book is tools. Like there's, there's so many tools and practices in that book. And the beginning is the intro, right? So, so those were the negative reviews on Amazon. That was it. You know, so out of 74 reviews, almost all of them are wonderful. And this book really was life-changing and on and on and on. Um, and then these three negative reviews. And that's Amazon. Then there's right. Goodreads and I started noticing like you can just go there and, and rate it like three stars or five stars and don't not leave a comment. And I just noticed I was getting some five stars, some four stars, some three, and then I would get some twos, but no comments, you know? And then I was getting um, some comments and they were different. Um, one guy wrote, a pretty thoughtful and thorough review of it. And it was everything from, there are some really good things in here, you know, and this and this and this, this is what's good. What's not good about it is that I really think this is for middle-class people and up or people of a steady job, right? And um, and he wrote, that was, that was his thing. Now, that was the first time I thought, oh, I want to respond. But mm. I don't think people respond to their reviews, their book reviews. And so I haven't. Now, recently someone said, oh, one of my, my, my VA, no, my online business manager said one of her other clients always responds to her review, book reviews. And I'm like, really? You know? But with this guy, I, I just, I would have said, I hear you. Oh, he also said I was, the other negative thing was that I could be condescending. This was, this is new. That's not usually um, something that people tell me, you can be condescending. Usually people are like, you're so unshaming, you know, you're really loving. Right. So it was interesting. You know, I just, it was like, okay, I wanted to respond just to say, um, I hear you. And, you know, when I was creating the art of money work, I was not middle class. Um, and I was, you know, making $11 an hour with a master's degree, um, working as a social worker. And a lot of these tools and practices came out of that time. And the next 10 years as I was trying to create my work and business. And it took me a lot, you know, years before I became middle-class, you know, and, and then I know many people who um, call, come from all different economic spectrums, you know, wealthy middle-class and lower income folks, whether they grew up in a family where they grew up in economic class, where it was, you know, lower income or it was more working class or that's where they are now. And so many people who've shared with me that they benefit so much from the book and the tools, right? But, you know, that was his experience and everyone's so different. Here was another one that 
it bothers me when someone does a two star and then doesn't comment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but here was, here was one of my favorites. So I, she, she hated the stories in the book and she hated, she hated when I talked about me and my husband, I tell a lot of couple stories because I'm, you know, I'm trying to show how all of the couples and money work tools and practices were created. It was because we needed them too, and how we did it and how we've evolved over the years. She hated when I talked about hiking on my mountain or chocolate, like she hated <laughs> all my stories, you know, and most people again, love the stories or like, thank you. This is so not a boring money book. It's the only money book I've ever finished because the stories are so amazing um, of the community and of you that you're not over there going, Hey, I'm your guru. I, you know, I've, t I have this all taken care of. I'm going to tell you what to do. You know, I share very openly that this is a work in process and progress and that I'll be fine tuning my relationship to money for years. And, but she gave it five stars because she said, even though I hated the story, so she hated me, but she <laughs> said it was the wisest money book about our money psychology that she had ever encountered. And she was a sex therapist and say, no, a sex worker and saying, all my sex worker friends have money issues. You need to read this book. So while I wanted to throw it across the room because I hated the stories in this person, she, you know, it's, it's some of the wisest um, information about, about our relationship to money. That one, you know, I was like, okay, you know, that one cracked me up. Um, yeah, like maybe your life is not relatable because her circumstances are so different, but it still applies. It's, you know, it still applies. I don't, that one really cracked you. I don't know why that one was like so funny to me and really didn't bother me. Um, someone else said, you really needed an editor. And oh my God, did we go through rounds of editing? And actually, oh my Lord. I don't agree. I, I, the book is exactly how um, all my articles are. It's the same voice. It's the same everything, you know? So that's the thing. It's like, am I going to get in there and disagree with these people? Or, you know, or someone says it's not like a traditional money management book. It's not. You know, there, there are hundreds of those out there. So the difference for me was like Amazon is like these lovely reviews of like it's life changing and they're five star and mostly five star. And then just a few of too philosophical, not impressed, which that's OK, you know. And then Goodreads is more of lots of people just giving it three stars or four stars or two stars and not commenting or much more critical um, reviews. And so my, I think I'm at 3.9 average where you know on Amazon I'm way 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 higher and the, oh the other thing that I did is I went to some of my favorite authors not friends and colleagues favorite authors who write memoirs and novels on Goodreads and um, it was similar like they had while they maybe had a higher rating they had tons of good reviews and then they had a few reviews that were just like um, my favorite memoir of last year was um, the Light of the World by Elizabeth Alexander. Have you read that, I Caroline? haven't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down. She is a Black woman who teaches African-American studies. She's a poet. This was a memoir. It was basically a tribute to her husband who died suddenly at the age of 50 while they had two teenage sons. Um, but it is the most gorgeous, um, heartbreaking, and heart-opening story about his life. Um, he came from Africa. He was a chef, an artist, and their love is um, was incredible. And it and so it's just this gorgeous book about grief and life. And you know, some of the comments, the negative comments, were like, "This was just way too personal." Or <laughs> it was like, but it's a uh, memoir. It's a memoir, exactly. This is a memoir, you know. Or like, 
she she shouldn't be sharing this intimately, you know, or or read more like poetry. Yeah, and it was gore, you know. Yes, 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 yes. So I got to, I got to I love that article that you sent me, which was like we all have different versions of eating whatever we eat, or we all have different preferences for the napkin goes here, the fork goes here, or I like to, you know, do the, just on and on and on, you know? And so when folks get so nitpicky and critical in that way, I can look at someone else's book and read the reviews and go, oh my God, that uh, is whatever. That's that own, per it's that person's stuff, you know? And not about the person or her book, but really reviews. I think what I'm getting to is there's, the more it gets out there. So maybe on Amazon, it's like all oh, people in my community or the ripples of that. And maybe Goodreads is like brand new people have never heard about me. And there's going to be the good and the bad. And I think it's really up to me to decide which of these critiques or reviews do I want to take to heart in the sense of, is there anything that I would want to change or do differently for future? Or, or do I agree with a person or not? Or on and on, you know, at the end of the day, I would not change anything about the book. And it is, as I mentioned, the exact classic book from, you know, the outside, the cover to the inside, everything. Um, and it was a hell of a journey getting to it, you know, from the editing process, you know, the first editor, which I talked about in the in episode one of like right. that whole thing to I wasn't supposed to be on the cover. And the designer team at my publisher was showing me designs that weren't a match at all and that I really didn't like and then they're like hey what about you being on the cover so I mean it was it was it was such an arduous journey of staying true to myself and staying committed and knowing when to compromise and knowing when not to at all to get to the book that I love it and there's you know there, there's going to be uh, critiques from all different angles about it yeah and you're never going to please everybody and no yeah. one is ever going to be able to comment on the process of creating a book from the same place as the person who created it and, and made all of those decisions like you did. Yeah. But um, I think it's great. I love the thought of just taking from it what's going to be useful to you in the future. Mm -hmm. So as you're, as you're finalizing everything and getting to the end of, of paying off this book, how has this process sort of adjusted how you might think about future books do you have more ideas or is this your book or are you like no girl no <laughs> um you know for the most part I'm like no no not doing it no way no don't let me you know um because everything from like creating the book to the book tour was hard work, you know, and the book tour really kicked my ass. And, you know, I, th I thought it was gonna be all wine and chocolate. And it was, you know, but it was also, it was just, I, it was just hard on me. It was hard to travel, it was hard to be with my family when we were traveling, it was hard to be away from them and on and on. So I'm still in recovery mode of all of that. You know, sh yes, there have been two ideas of next books. And, you know, I'm flip-flopping. I have one moment where, you know, one of my, my guiding lights was Lynn Twist's book, The Soul of Money. Yeah. And she has one book and it's a classic and incredible book. And it just keeps on giving, you know, it keeps, you know, she's, it's still getting out there and she's still selling it and on and on. And there's that. And something about that is certainly appealing to me. 
And then I do have, well, I have three. <laughs> so I have three other books. <laughs> and we're just going to have to see, you know, because, you know, I, I did go from having a year of, as I mentioned, creating the book, doing private financial therapy and leading my year long program and being a mom and wife and on and on. Last year was the book tour, full load of clients and my year long program. And this year I said, I'm only doing my year long program and I'm not doing anything else. You know, I mean, of course, promoting the book via book clubs and all our normal social media stuff, but I'm giving myself space to rest and to really have the time and space to go deep and, and see what's next on many levels. So I'm, I'm really giving myself that space and I really don't know. I think that's great. I think it's, you know, you need to have a cycle. And I think the important thing too, for people to think about is that the book has a very valid role, but it is inside of a larger business. And if you have, you know, not everybody has to be a full-time writer all of a sudden, just because they've put out one book. And that's going to be different for everyone, right? That's really, yeah. I mean, when I was on my book tour, someone said, I just want to write the book. Do I really have to have groups and do that for years and teach it? It's like, I can't answer that. Everyone's so different. The way I did it was I taught it in small groups of 10 people over and over and then 20 and then 50 and now, you know, almost 500. And I'm, I'm more of a teacher and speaker and creative content. And that's how I like to do it. And then the book came from that where other people are, are more writers. They want to write and they want to get the book out there. But, it, you know, when I see someone who, if they just really want to write, but I, I do say, well, what's the larger business plan? What's the business plan? <laughs> you know, because I love business models and it's taking me years. I've had four of them over the last 16 years and it's taken me years to stumble upon and step into my year-long program and have it be the most sustainable for my life and have it be the most lucrative and on and on and on. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's how, how are you going to get the book out there? I, even if you self-publish, you, you, you know, you, you just need to find ways to market that feel really good in sync. And then the opposite of that is I hear publishers like requiring that you bring your list up past 10,000 or you get your Twitter followers to this or your Instagram to this or your Facebook to this. And I don't do that. And that was one of the things that when I met with Parallax, I met with Rachel Newman, the head, and I said, you're not going to ask me about my numbers, you know, about my social media numbers. She said, Barry, your numbers are fine. They're great. We will grow together. And I just went, yes. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, that's good. That is good because I'm hearing even agents are re requiring you know, their writers to get their list to a certain size and on and on and on. And I, yes, that can probably work for some. I've always been the slow, steady growth and then always been on the side of it's more important to me to have a really engaged, you know, community and list rather than really big numbers because really large numbers don't always convert, but I have lots of friends right. with really big numbers and uh, on and on. So but that, yeah. that, that, that was a huge match for me with a publisher when they said, we're, we're, you're exactly where you, you know, you're fine. You're, you're perfect. Like <laughs> your numbers are great. Amazing. Well, 
speaking of numbers, thank you so much for coming on and being so open and honest about the numbers as always. I know it's going to be a huge um, aha and revelation to everyone listening. Um, I think it will help everyone have a clearer picture of what it looks like behind the scenes. So I'm so grateful you were willing to have this conversation. Mm, You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. The show is produced by me, Caroline Donahue, and Frederick Barry McWilliams Jr., my tireless audio engineer. To get show notes for this episode and all other episodes, please visit secretlibrarypodcast.com. To get updates, literary love, and notification when new episodes are posted, sign up there for Footnotes, my newsletter. And to learn about life coaching with me to work on building your writing life, visit carolinedonahue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Gold stars to everybody who leaves a rating and review on iTunes. We're so grateful. Until next time, happy reading.